Welcome to the Sober Nation FM podcast, where we're putting recovery on the map. I'm your host, Jonathan Sylvester. This show is brought to you by Sobriety Engine. Do you want to take your recovery to the next level? Do you want more support, community, and fellowship? Sobriety Engine is an incredible free online community of men and women supporting each other in their recovery. You can get a ton of great tips, resources, and guidance to help you succeed in recovery and in life. Visit sobrietyengine.com to join today. Sober Nation FM is also brought to you by Recover Health. If you're ready to get fit and start living a healthier lifestyle all while supporting your sobriety, then you can learn more about having me as your own personal fitness and nutrition coach at rcvrhealth.com. And whether you're listening to the show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or watching on YouTube, please share this with your friends, follow, subscribe, and leave a review. Nation, let's hop right into today's episode. Today, I'll be speaking with Instagram fitness legend, Jay Marinak. Thanks for coming on the show, Jay. Thanks a lot for having me, Jonathan. Hey, so uh, I want to talk about fitness. I want to talk about your incredible physical transformation, uh, which is, man, just absolutely awesome. Uh, but first, I'd really like to start off by hearing a bit about your story. So what was going on before you got sober, and how did you really find your way into recovery? It's a long story, that's for sure. Let's uh, hear it, man. And I've, I've told it many, many a times. You know, it's certainly, you know, hindsight is definitely twenty twenty. Mm. Um, you know, so anything that I say is, you know, certainly through through years of kind of digging deep and kind of learning about myself and you know, why I, you know, drank the way I drank and did drugs the way I did drugs. And ultimately it started out with, you know, just being afraid of everything. You know, when I was a kid, I can remember just being afraid of everything and afraid to talk to girls, you know, just afraid of social interactions. Uh, I always had this really negative, negative voice in my head telling me I wasn't good enough, you know, just like classic, classic stuff. And, you know, it was just really loud as a kid and it just, uh, I was a very angry kid um, as a result. Like, I didn't know how to deal with my emotions. And uh, so I got in trouble a lot at a young age. And I was also playing sports at the time. So I was a, I was a pretty good athlete as a kid. And, and yet I was also getting in a lot of trouble at a very young age. This is like, you know, eight, nine, ten years old, you know. Okay. So I was like playing a lot of sports, doing well in that facet of my life. But yet I was, you know, smoking cigarettes already at like eight or nine, you know, stealing uh, you know, cursing off my teachers, that kind of thing. And you know, when I found drugs and alcohol, you know, it started to kind of quell a lot of that, that anger I had, you know, feeling like a piece of shit, you know, feeling like I wasn't good enough. Like it started to take that stuff away. So I remember, you know, I started, I think that maybe the first time I got high, I was probably like 10, 11. However, like my first real, real like memory of getting high um, it truly was a spiritual experience as we hear about. And, uh, you know, I really felt that it was like everything, all the fears, all that stuff just all went away. And, you know, for, for a long time, I just chased that feeling, you know, I chased that feeling for many years, you know, and it worked for a lot of years. There was a, some good years where I enjoyed it and, you know, loved just getting wasted and, and you know, getting high and it was, it was all good. But as time went on, obviously it turned on me and uh you know it was tough to get out of it yeah yeah no i mean man and and i i always appreciate when someone says like it was fun for a while because of course it was fun for a while like otherwise like why were we 
you know, why were we chasing this to uh, the extent that we were, right? But right. So, so you were you were relatively young when this all started. And so, I mean, it's, I, I hear you say, like, you were getting in trouble at a younger age and stuff like that. But, but when did the consequences really start to, when did things start to shift? Like, how, how old were you when things just, it, it became more of a job than a, hey, this is fun. And, like, the consequences are getting serious. Like, what, when was all that going on? It was around probably 13 or 14, so probably right around freshman year of high school is when okay. it really, really started to go downhill, uh, you know, because I was able to play sports, admit, you know, from like 12 to 13, 14, or 11 to 12, 13, 14, I could play sports, I could still, you know, get, get trashed on the weekends, and I was able to just to kind of manage it, and it was okay, mm-hmm. and yeah. when I got into high school, it just all changed, and I quit. I finally would quit sports. I was like, I'm not, I don't want to do this anymore. And that's when it was truly became like a everyday wake up. How am I going to get my pills for the day? How am I, you know, what am I going to be doing? What am I doing after school? You know, how am I going to get money? That's when it truly became an everyday thing. So probably around 14 years old, you know, 14 until, you know, I was 20 and a half when I stopped. Okay. And so what, what was the, I know some people don't really like to call it, you know, a rock bottom or whatever, but what, where did things shift? Like, where did things start going from the problem to the solution, so to speak? Once I graduated high school was definitely a a big turning point. So things were bad from like 14 to 18 for sure throughout high school. A lot of trouble, a lot of cops being called on me, you know, a lot of suspensions, almost expelled, almost dropped out of school all that kind of stuff. But once I really graduated, somehow I graduated. And once I did, it was really a miracle, (laughs) really. Uh, Once I did, there was no more structure in my life. Okay. I I remember just like really just going even deeper than I thought was possible. And I was thrown out of my house in the summer of my graduation. I was thrown out, went to live with my father. And then things went really, really bad, man. And, Mm. uh, you know, selling a lot of drugs and just involved in a lot of crazy shit. And, um, you know, so it was like really that those two and a half years were just pinnacle in my life, you know, cause I just didn't give a shit about anything. And, yeah. uh, really just got bad. So it was right around, you know, 20 and a half where I couldn't, I couldn't live the life I was living anymore. I truly couldn't do it. You know, I couldn't work anymore. I was completely unemployable. And I was just raging 24-7, man, seven mm. days a week. And, you know, I finally, I was really fortunate, man, where I got to a place where I couldn't take it anymore, and I finally reached out for help. Okay. Yeah, I'm curious, man. Like, our stories are actually really similar, you know, kind of uh, – I, I got my GED, so I, so I didn't <laughs> I, I didn't graduate technically, although I had a right, buddy right. call me on graduation day like, Hey man, uh, where are you? They're calling your name, so maybe there's a diploma up at the school uh, for me okay. somewhere. So you you, you kind of did graduate. Kind kind of. I mean, man, it you was that. You just didn't show up. Right. Exactly. I chose not to to show. Right. Exactly. Yeah. But uh, no, just too many absences and stuff. But you know, our stories are really similar in that you know went to live with my dad and selling drugs and stuff like that. I'm curious, like, were your parents just trying to like? were your parents just trying to figure out like what to do with you basically? Or, um, cause I know that's where my parents were like, they, my parents didn't really understand any of this stuff. And I think they were, you know, kind of turning a blind eye to it to some degree, but like what, what was going on with your family during all this? Like, 
Yeah, I think there's a similarity too with the turning the blind eye for sure. But interestingly enough, my parents actually met in AA many wow. years ago. So I'm actually literally a byproduct of Alcoholics Anonymous. Wow. So were so you I'm, going, I'm, I'm curious, were you going to like meetings and stuff when you were little or anything like yeah. that? Wow. Oh, yeah, man. I was in my pajamas, freaking drawing in the corner. Wow. For, for a bunch of years. So my parents were sober for a long time. My mom was sober a long time. She ended up relapsing. Okay. Probably in my teens, my early teens. Okay. Um, my parents were divorced when I was two. So my father really was never a big part of my life. Um, so, yeah, I mean, my mom, you know, she has some strong denial. And I think that mm. she kind of knew what was going on, yet she has this ability to kind of like just turn her head the other way because she was, she was doing some crazy shit herself, man. Yeah. And so it was uh, an interesting dynamic growing up. Wow. For sure. Yeah, no, that is interesting. Well, and look, man, I think the truth is like, I think all parents are just kind of like, not my kid, basically, you know? Yeah. Yep. You know, like my, my kids, not, uh, not into that. I mean, I even remember, um, this one time where this guy I was hanging out with his mom caught us smoking weed and she literally caught him like hitting the pipe and she blamed me for it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <it's> so classic. <laughs> you know? So, I mean, like, I, I, yeah, my fault. 100%. So, I, I mean, I, I get the, I get the thinking, you know, whether someone's in recovery or not, I think most parents are just going to, you know, there's going to be some denial there, but so, so moving forward. So what did you do, man? So, you know, things got really bad and did you go to treatment? Did you just, did you go to meetings? Did you just say like, no, I'm done with this and kind of, you know, phase it out of your life or what did that look like? So at the very, very end, things started getting really bad. Like I said, my, my mom did, did really start to pick up on what was going on and she actually forced me to go to meetings. She was like, listen, Okay. If you're going to come to this house, be in this house, you have to go to meetings. Yeah. So what I did was I drove like 30 minutes out of the way um, from where I lived at the time. So I was kind of living in Wappingers Falls and also living in Westchester, kind of okay. doing both. And, you know, I was a tattoo artist at the time and I was terrified that people would know that I'm all fucked up doing tattoos, you know? So I like, drove really far, I drove like Danbury, Connecticut to go to meetings, right? And I like, used a different name at my first meeting. <laughs> I was like such, I was out of my mind at this point in my life. Wow, know? yeah. And so anyway, so I went to, a, went to NA meetings for a couple of weeks, you know, showed my mom the pamphlets and everything. And okay. Kind of did that whole thing, stayed sober for a couple of weeks. And then finally, you know, I was like, ah, oh, you know what, I'll just go hang out with my friends, you know, mm. you know, it'll be totally fine, I'm not going to do anything, just a classic scenario, I walked For into sure. this kid's house, and, you know, that was the last, the last night I got high, but, um, but yeah, man, it was just, um, after that happened, you know, my father, thankfully, I called him after disappearing for, like, two and a half months, because he was my employer at the time, and I just told him what was going on, I was like, listen, man, I'm gonna, I'm gonna die, and I was crying, I was just, like I need help. And he, he got me into a, a rehab actually in upstate New York called the Veritas Villa. So he got me on a scholarship actually. So, oh, wow. you know, I don't, I don't come from money. My parents don't have money and I don't have insurance. I didn't have insurance at the time. So they were, they were nice enough to let me into their facility for two weeks without any insurance or without paying. So, wow. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. So you, you go into treatment and I do want to ask, man, although, you know, this, isn't super important. I am kind of curious though, because I, I, like I said, I've read your story on Instagram 
uh, a few times. And and again, if you guys haven't seen uh, Jay on Instagram, it's uh, JTM underscore uh, fit. Um, and you'll see him flying around like Superman and lifting lots of heavy shit. And uh, man, I, I, I love your all your workouts. But and we'll get into that here in a second. But w- when reading your story, um, I know you said that you just did basically every drug. It was like, LSD, you know, I mean, just everything. So what, what were you, did you have to detox or? Um... Um, I didn't have to do a technical medical detox. Okay. So at the time I was such a garbage head. I mean, I was doing a lot of opiates okay. and stuff. So, you know, so I kind of detoxed on my own. It wasn't, it wasn't severe, you know, where I need to be hospitalized, okay. thankfully. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, I was just doing everything under the sun, but it became a, a lot of opiates and benzos were really what took me down. Okay, gotcha. And, and so you go into treatment, you're there for two weeks, and then do you get back into going to the meetings? Or what? what is the next step there? Yeah, so I just listened to what they said there. You know, I definitely didn't want to be there at first, but I uh, just kind of hung around and, you know, and did the whole get a group, get a sponsor, do 90 meetings in 90 days. And those are the three things I took from that rehab. And that's what I did. You know, I went to my first meeting and you know, kind of raised my hand and said, I'm just out of rehab, you know, I'm looking for a sponsor. And literally that night, I got a sponsor and I was like a member of a group and I was ready to go. That's awesome. Man. So I, I got to ask you, I mean, I think, you know, we hear the general suggestions and getting a home within a 12 step program, like getting a home group uh, is definitely one of them. How important was that for you just to like kind of be around some of the same people in the beginning and, um, you know, just be, yeah, just be around the same people and in that same group for a little while. It was huge. Honestly, I wouldn't have made it if mm. I didn't do that because yeah. my first year of sobriety, I literally was living a, a double a double life where I was still hanging out with old friends. You know, I was 20 and a half. Okay. You know, literally at that point, obviously, you know, when you're that age, it's like your friends are your life. Right. So I was going to meetings and I was a member of a group and I was trying to do that. Mm. And at the same time, on the weekends, I'm, you know, speeding at a hundred miles an hour in a car full of my friends, you know, smoking blunts and shit, you know? And yeah, I was, I wasn't obviously, but I was, I couldn't, I couldn't escape that life yet. I wasn't ready to leave that life behind. And so it was, uh, it saved my life uh, in so many ways, but yeah, particularly in that first year, if I didn't have at least have that, that part of me where the sponsor, like getting me on the steps and doing different things, man, there's no way I would have been able to not restrain myself in all those bad situations I put myself in yeah no I I agree 100% well and I think like what someone said to me was it's like just let some people get to know you for a while like who you really are and you'll kind of figure out you'll figure out who you are at the same time you know in in that process but yeah I, I mean one of the things that I like to talk to people about is like some of the biggest mistakes that they felt like they made early on in sobriety. And I think you just touched on one. And I think it's such an interesting deal, man. It's like, you know, the the drugs and the alcohol are definitely part of this. But the lifestyle is like such like whether you were selling drugs, and like, it's the fast money, or it's the friends, or it all fits with the substances. So I mean, what what would you say to someone that's listening or watching this that might be having a tough time breaking away from those friends or is trying to like navigate that like how, how did that end up working out for you I guess I think it's tough to give advice sometimes in these situations because I feel like a lot of times we have to 
live our journey and just mm. go down the path we're meant to go down. However, with that being said, you know, when I was fully able to give my life and, and my lifestyle over to AA, that's when my life really started to change, you know, mm. and that was difficult. So like the first, I remember being in that first year and hearing people sharing of, about the promises and, right. you know, all the meetings and they're carrying a book, a big book to the meeting. And I was like, I'll never be that person. <laughs> yeah, that was me. I was like, I was never want to be that. <laughs> yeah. And let me tell you, when I got to, you know, yeah. a little over a year of sobriety, I was still finding myself unhappy, mm. you know, and, and miserable. And I remember having moments of like, I got to fucking do something different. Mm. And, you know, and with, with that being said too, like I wasn't, I was active in some ways in the group that first year, but I wasn't, you know, I wasn't okay. reaching my hand out, you know, I wasn't going to all the business meetings, you know, I wasn't telling my story all the time, you know, I wasn't doing everything I should have been doing. So okay. when I finally got to a place where I was like, you know what, if this is what my life's going to be, then that's fine. Hmm. Then my life really started to change and, you know, and obviously getting really involved, you know, we all know that and having one foot in one foot out isn't the best thing, you know, can it still work? It can. I think it can, you know, it doesn't mean that you're just fucked. If you, if you don't, if you're not all in and just Mr. AA, right. However, right. you know, however, you know, we do need to try to do as much as we can to have some more insurance against that first drink, you know? Yeah. No, that makes sense to me, man. I, and I, you know, I think it was pointed out to me to look at it from two perspectives. And I was definitely the guy, like, I remember one day, I don't even know where it came from. My first sponsor was super hardcore. Like, and, and a self-admitted extremist to the point where you walked into this guy's condo and behind his couch, he literally had the life-size 12 and 12 posters. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, there were so many moments where it's like, this guy is the best and worst spot. Like, basically, if I can stay sober with this guy as my sponsor, then I'll be, I'll be great. And he, and he was an awesome sponsor. Like, I think he, he helped me build an awesome foundation. But one day out of the blue, I remember just calling him and being like, man, I will never do this like you do. Like, I'm not going to carry the book around. I'm not going to. And, you know, he was like, okay, like, I don't know what this means, but, uh, <laughs> you know, and, and then, and then I was, but I, I think that, you know, what was pointed out to me was, is it getting in the middle or getting in the center of this deal, like, uh, of your recovery, like some people talk about, it's not just the insurance against going back out. It's also the, you mentioned the promises. It's also that in investment in life being so much better. I think that's where part of my mindset like started to change. It wasn't just about not getting higher drinking again. It was about like, Hey, maybe, maybe I'll have the opportunity to build a pretty, pretty awesome life here. So, um, so yeah, I think that's a good point. But yeah, everyone has to go through what they have to go through. I think that's, uh, you know, that's fair for sure. Um, so I, I want to ask you, man, I mean, just kind of moving on here. So you, you get a sponsor, you're going to meet, where does the fitness come into this? I mean, I know you were, you were athletic, you were into sports, but where does the working out and everything start to come into the picture? It was pretty much right away, I think. I mean, it's been a while okay. now, but it was pretty, pretty soon after I got out of rehab and was going to meetings. I remember I, I I wanted to do martial arts. So I actually went to like a karate school. Okay. Like a gen generic karate school. And yeah. I joined and it's funny the, the the person, one of the instructors, I was doing an intake with them and 
I was telling them my schedule and they were like, are you, are you a friend of Bill's? Oh, <laughs> and wow. ended up being like, so there was a connection there. So anyway, cool. so I started, I started taking martial arts and pretty quickly, you know, that was just kind of a little bit boring for me. I didn't really okay. like the forms and stuff. I wanted to get more into actually fighting and stuff like that. Sure. I was always, always that kind of kid growing up. So yeah, yeah, I was doing that. And then I was also going to Planet Fitness, man, and not knowing what I was doing. But just going to the gym, I was still smoking cigarettes at the time, so I'd smoke Man, a cigarette before here. I went in. Same smoke here. a cigarette when I when I left, you know. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was that's that's what it was like in the beginning. Some martial arts and just the gym, and just not really having a clue what was going on, you know. Hmm. So where did it start to? Uh, yeah, man, that that was me. I know one day, like I wanted to quit smoking so bad. It just, I think it just like clicked one day. Like this is this is so opposite. Like I'm trying to get healthy. I'm working out, still smoking sick. Like it just didn't, it just, one day it just clicked. It just, it didn't make sense uh, anymore. But, but where did the fitness start to get serious? Like when were you like, man, I'm, I'm really getting into this. And yeah. So after the, after I kind of left karate, I got into Brazilian jiu-jitsu and Muay Thai kickboxing. So I started doing this. I moved back down to Westchester. So I was okay. still upstate. Okay. Moved back down to Westchester, and so I was doing the martial arts there, and then that's where it started to become serious. Where you know I got pretty good at what I was doing, and then I became an instructor. Oh wow! And then I became a personal trainer. So I started training clients at that point. Okay. Um. Yeah, and so it just kind of it kind of just took off there. Um. Uh, once the martial arts started to take off, and I did a couple amateur Muay Thai kickboxing fights, and you know realized that. I loved kicking people in the face, but I did not love getting kicked back. <laughs> yeah. So that was short lived. I you know, had some fun, but that was that was not the right life path for me. Okay. And yeah, man, then became the personal trainer, and then you know I did some other odd jobs and stuff, but uh, I finally made uh, and took the risk, I should say, to to go all in with the personal training. That's where it really kind of became a thing you know i started posting stuff on instagram probably around i don't know seven years ago six or seven years ago is when okay. i started like putting things out there on the internet so it just kind of took off from there yeah that's awesome man and again very very similar to my story for sure so i, I want to ask i mean because i know i had this moment of it, it is taking a risk i think like you know but you found something you were passionate about right and so like how did you decide like this is, I'm going to make a career out of this. One of the things I've always done throughout my sobriety and just throughout my, my 20s was, you know, open every door possible and see which doors open or remain open and which doors close. You know, there mm -hmm. were a bunch of different things. You know, I tried to be an electrician. At one point, I was going to night school on top of working two jobs. And, um, and literally every, I tried to get every connection I could in that field and literally everything fell fell through every mm. single opportunity nothing worked out and at the same time I was teaching the martial arts and became the personal trainer and at the time I just started working at this personal training gym and like the the owner there just kept getting me clients I just like kept getting clients it just kept it seemingly was just working and flowing the way it should have been and mm. so that that's how I knew right I was just like going in two different directions and just seeing which one you know, we're just seeing what the universe wanted for me. And then, you know, once the things started to materialize with the personal training, I just kind of knew, I just knew it was the, it was the right choice. 
That's pretty awesome, man. I, I think it took a minute for me for it to like click that, that the personal training or coaching or any of that stuff could really be a career because I enjoyed it so much. I think there was just like a mental block there that was just like saying like, there's no way you can make a living like doing something you actually love doing, right. you know, like something you, you really like. So I, man, one thing I do want to ask is where does fitness, like how, how did you find it kind of fitting with your, your sobriety, your recovery? Like what was the connection there? Do you think? I mean, I feel like it's very similar in a sense where in a lot of ways I was chasing the feeling of, of working out, like going through like really hard workouts and like pushing myself. And like, I kind of loved the challenge and, you know, that's why I really loved martial arts and combat and, you know, eventually CrossFit. And, uh, you know, I ran the New York City Marathon, you know, I did, you know, triathlons. I just, like, I just loved, I got high on that on those on those different things and those challenges so that's you know it's funny over the years i've i've gotten the the hecklers and the haters being like oh you just replaced one addiction for the other it's like you're damn right i did dude yeah you you were you know you come on man it's mm. like it's a far better addiction and and um and i don't know i never got so bad i wasn't like working out five times a day or anything like that right but, uh, but yeah, yeah. It definitely it just yeah man it just motivated me and gave me something to look forward to Man, I, I'm really glad you brought that up, though, you know, the alternate addiction, because I mean, even if we look at that from and there were people that said the same thing to me, I mean, because man, I had a ton of free time uh, initially, you know, and it was like, for me, the gym really filled uh, a lot of that as well. And because when I first got sober, I didn't have a job or, you know, or anything like that. Um, but like, I think even from like an AA perspective, I think in the book, it says something along the lines of like, do we have a suitable replacement? And it's like, you kind of have to have something there that is not just AA, I think, or not just recovery. You know, I think it's important for us to find something, you know, something that we enjoy doing and, and that we're passionate about. And that, I think that's awesome that that was fitness for you. So um, how important do you think it is for people in recovery to to just be physically fit or, or to pay attention to that and and make physical fitness part of their sobriety i think it's huge you know i mean you know after aa i mean fitness fitness has saved my life for sure i mean fitness has done so much for me i mean even from like the martial arts to like with the confidence and self-esteem kind of stuff uh, yeah I, mean, I gained a lot from that because you know i had so much low self-esteem mm. and just feeling less than you know in sobriety you know and, and there was nowhere there's nowhere to hide from that stuff when you get sober and certainly you know the steps and going to meetings and and all that stuff is is helpful but yeah i found that you know even more help came from the the fitness side of things and and yeah i don't know what i would have done if i didn't have that like i, I didn't I don't really have any other hobbies and stuff at the time. I mean, yeah. like I like skateboarding and snowboarding and stuff like that. But as I got older, I couldn't really do that kind of stuff, man. I couldn't risk the injuries and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, it just really, you know, it's, and certainly when it became my career, it really just became, uh, you know, certainty that this was like the path for me. That's awesome. Yeah, that that's pretty cool, man. When you have that uh, that clarity you know, or that sign from the universe almost that like, 
I, I really like how you said that, you know, you just went, you just tried out these different doors and the ones that were clearly closed and like you just kept moving. Um, and I think that persistence yeah. is, you know, is so important as well. And I think like, you know, I think for some of us that just having, being able to translate that, that hustle, so to speak, that might've been going towards not so legal or healthy things uh, and kind of pointing that in the right direction, you know, that um, having that, that drive um, and, and some might say, you know, the addictive personality, like really pointing that in the right direction can be super helpful. So I want to, I want to nerd out a little bit here on the fitness stuff. And uh, I, I want to just start off by asking, you know, when someone gets sober, there's so many people, obviously, that like you did, like I did, they have no idea where to start. Let's just say, you know, someone's either just getting sober or they've been sober for a little while. They've kind of been, um, you know, they've been thinking about doing something, thinking about getting into the gym. Where do you think that someone should should start? Like, what what do you think would just be some basic things that people could start doing um, ju just to get moving or just to get into the gym? Like, what would you really suggest? I would definitely suggest either getting a personal trainer if you can afford that that luxury or doing group classes. Okay. You, know, you can really learn a lot, get your foot in the door. You know, it's so often people just show up at the gym and they don't know what to do. Yeah. I mean, I, I was like that. Most of us yeah. are like that. Most of us aren't going to know what to do. So, I mean, getting into something like that where you can like learn, like understand how to maybe put a workout together, that kind of thing. I think that's the most important thing to do to start is have some kind of structure and uh, yeah, and learn as much as you can. Yeah, I think that's a great point. Yeah, I, I had no idea what the hell I was doing. And, um, and I know just like you did, I'm sure, obviously, I had, man, I had to make a ton of mistakes. Um, you know, and uh, I had to do a lot of there's so much misinformation out there. Right? Yeah. I mean, as you well know, you're on Instagram. Uh, you know, you see the waist trainer people and the fad diet people and the fat burner people and all the BS that people are selling. And, you know, I think that we all want that easy, you know, that easy answer. Right. And, yeah. uh, but yeah, that's just not, not really the way that it works, but yeah, I think that's a great idea. It's, um, and I think that made sense for me, you know, um, just in terms of getting help or reaching out to other people, because I had seen that working in my recovery, you know, and I think right. that, that I, like you were, I was able to translate a lot of what was going on in, in my sobriety to, to this fitness stuff. So I, I, I do want to ask you, you're the creator of the functional method. So what is the functional method? What's that all about? Yeah. So uh, probably about five years ago, I started really getting pressure from people in my life that were like, listen, man, you got really got to capitalize on your following on Instagram. And obviously I've been a trainer for a number of years and, you know, so they were like, you gotta, you gotta make some programs or something. You could really make money off this. And yeah. for the longest time, I was a classic case of being paralyzed by perfectionism. You know, I was just like, ah, it's not the right time. Like I always had an excuse to not do it. Uh, you know, there's always like one detail that I would think of. I'd be like, oh, no, I can't do it like that. So there's no point in doing it right now. And I finally got past that and I put out a PDF workout program. I went on to Wix. I built a crappy little site on my own. No idea what I was doing. I put it out there, you know, marketed it to my Instagram following, you know, made a little bit of money. So I was like, hey, you know what? That worked. Let me, let me make this next one a little bit better. Made the next program a little bit better. So on and so forth. Made another program. And 
it started becoming uh, this extra income. And I was like, oh, wow, I could really, I can make a business out of this. You know, it's very possible I could do it. And I've heard of countless other, right, quote unquote, influencers who have done that and are making tons of money. And so anyway, so that there was that sparked with obviously my passion for just like creating workouts and building programs. And I put those two together. And finally, I was also in a place where when I hit 30 years old, I was constantly injured, man. You know, on top of like kind of the CrossFit style stuff I was doing, like I always wanted to do a million things in the gym. Okay. And so it just led me, you know, I was lifting heavy. I was doing backflips. I was just doing crazy shit, man. And it was just catching up to me where I was like feeling beat up all the time. And I was always putting this pressure on myself to like do crazy fucking CrossFit workouts and shit where like my, I, my body was like, like, yeah, I don't like hearing yeah. that you got injured, but man, honestly, I like, I'm glad that you're saying this because I, you know, just watching what you posted. I'm like, how is this guy not getting injured? <laughs> <laughs> Once upon a time. Okay. You know, so I, I'm much smarter now, but yeah. Good. So I, I hit a place where it's like my mind, you know, was, was going a hundred miles an hour. My my body couldn't keep up. So mm-hmm. uh, I was like, man, I gotta, I gotta figure out a way to train smarter and, and be healthier. And so I started just kind of brainstorming different ideas and structures like weekly workout structures and I came up with the functional method 1.0, which really included all facets of fitness that I love from kettlebell training, you know, a lot of functional training. So functional undertones within the entire program, you know, core training, you know, high intensity training, bodybuilding, you know, so ultimately I wanted to be the best athlete I could possibly be yet be as jacked as I you know, could possibly be as well. You know, I wanted the whole thing. I wanted the aesthetics. I wanted the athletic performance. So yeah, I created the Functional Method 1.0, and it really it was just a beautiful program because, I mean, obviously, I tested the whole thing out on myself, and I was training that way for about a year, about a year and a half before I really released it, and I was just like, I was not injured nearly as much. Like, I decreased that volume, and yet I was still looking good and, and feeling good all the time, and I've seen, you know, certainly there are injuries that come up, regardless if you have good technique or, sure. you know, you're being smart. It just happens, but uh, it was just far less. And I was like, ah, dude, this is it, man. This is it. So, yeah, I released it to to the world, man. It was a huge success. That's awesome, man. Yeah, no, and I I really like that. Um, I think something so important that you just said right there for someone that that maybe is new to working out or maybe they've been working out for a long time. I know I made this mistake, and, yeah, I definitely started. Luckily, I didn't have any serious injuries, but, you know, started having shoulder issues, uh, starting having like a little knee pain occasionally because I'd you know be doing sprints and then trying to do heavy squats and that I finally started to see so so for people that are listening you know Jay just touched on lowering the volume and and basically what I think a great simple way to say that is that a lot of the times less is more you know and, and that was such a tough lesson for me to learn i didn't have to be like if i was going 120 percent all the time like i was not i wouldn't probably wasn't going to feel great i was probably going to get injured um and but like you laid out there there's a program to follow right that shows you when to do more when to dial it back a little bit um and and so what version are are you on now because you said you've developed 1.0 um so was that something that was more recent or are you in different versions now? 
So that was around two and a half years ago. So I okay. officially uh, made JTM Pit a business about two and a half years ago, launched that program. And so since then, there's been a 2.0 and 3.0, and I've moved on to a bunch of other programs. So the whole training series is out there, and I eventually have moved on to, you know, a more shredding, like a, it's called the functional shred. So it's more of like a shredding program, yet tons of athletics, biometrics, uh, really badass program, tons of challenges and stuff like that. And then, uh, just recently released a, a, a program called Functional Mass and Power, mm. which is a 12-week program. Again, just kind of the same kind of structure where there's there's a lot of volume in a lot of ways, but it's just done the right way, you know, progressed the right way. Systematic movement progressions throughout the 12 weeks, you know, progressive overload, um, really bringing the science. I mean, it's in all of my programs, but even more so with this program, I like really brought the science into building this program. And uh, yeah, man, again, a huge focus on obviously building the, that chiseled physique, you know, on top of being you know, as athletic and as powerful as possible with your movement. So it's uh, yeah, man, it's a badass program. I love that, man. Yeah. And the science has got to be there, you know, and I think what you just said right there, what I, the one thing that I wish I had known about when I first started working out was progressive overload. And, and so for those that don't know, I mean, basically the mistake that I made, and I don't know if, if Jay, you made this mistake, but we see a lot of people that are wondering like, well, why am I not getting results? And it's because I'm going into the gym every day. Uh, maybe I'm doing different exercises, but every time I come back to the same exercise, I'm doing the same weight. I'm doing the same number. You know, I'm doing like three sets of 10 with a hundred pounds every time I go in there and, and what I need is like Jay pointed out in his program or programs is a systematic way to increase that, that overload on the body. And, um, man, I wish I, that, that right there yeah. would have saved me like so much, uh, frustration, I guess. I know it's so easy just to, just to kind of go, go overboard and do too much. Like you were saying, you know, really, I feel like between 20 and 30, like that's kind of okay. And you can get away with that. But I feel like between 30 and 40, like the, the idea, I should make a shirt that just says less is more because that, that should really be like the, the motto for, you know, in your thirties, you know, just like tone everything back. You just don't need that kind of, unless you're obviously training for a specific sport or a competition or an event of some sort, you just, in my opinion, you don't need to be doing crazy shit all the time. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And I think like, especially guys, you know, um, again, if you were anything like me, and, and when I started looking into like bodybuilding stuff, I would see, you know, some of these things that body, a lot of bodybuilders were doing, and it would be like, you know, 10 set like German volume training and stuff, which yeah. like 10 sets of 10. And it's, and, and the thing that people don't realize is, and I'm not going to knock anyone here, because this is none of my business, but you know, a lot of these people are on steroids and the whole thing with steroids is you recover yeah. you know, so much faster. And so you can do stuff like that. And, you know, but with someone that's natural, like it just, it's not going to work out uh, very well, you know? So, uh, yeah. yeah. And I think what people don't realize too, is that the effect it has on the central nervous system, mm. right? Like it's like you could in your mind want all day to like hit the 10, 10 by 10 back squat the next day do this like yeah you can do that you might you might be able to get a weekend or two of that that kind of volume and be all good but dude you're gonna get to a point you're gonna feel like crap dude your, your central nervous system is crashing 
I mean, from the volume, like, yes, there are certainly some people out there that can handle that kind of volume. I don't know if they're on something or not. Maybe the elite of the elite, like you look at CrossFitters, like those dudes, they can handle incredible amounts, dude. Like, I can't do that. And most people can't, right? Most people can't handle that kind of volume. And again, they don't realize how much it affects, you know, take putting all that stress on the central nervous system, how badly it can affect your sleep, you know, your recovery, you know, your muscle growth, all that stuff. So, you know, putting more volume isn't necessarily the answer. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I think you said it well, less, less is more, uh, works definitely. So what, I, I mean, we're talking about all this here. I need to ask, man, what does your diet look like? <laughs> I, I need to know. That's right. I guess that question a lot, man. It's, it's really boring. Is you it? know, honestly, like, yeah, it's just, it's simple, man. Like I have, I eat pretty healthy stuff. Um, most days of the week, you know, from salads to salmon to grilled chickens, you know, obviously lean meats. And, you know, that's, that's pretty much it, man. You know, five to six meals a day. Uh, I cheat on the weekends and, you know, I have ice cream and pizza like everybody else. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, that's it. You know, I get that question all the time on Instagram. And it's funny, sometimes I'm, depending on what kind of mood I'm in, I'm like, yeah, it's good. The diet's good. <laughs> yeah you know um but yeah because it's boring and i eat the same stuff all the time too so like again people are like dude well can, can you please post your stuff on on instagram and i'm like well i do but then i'm not just gonna post the same meal right. yeah, every day over you know over. so I, yeah so anyway so it's you know i'm pretty good man you know i certainly fall off like everybody else like sure. especially now like now is now it's challenging man like Dude, all the even the restaurants that I've been going to, getting takeout from that I've been going to for years. Yeah. Every night they're giving me free ice cream. They're, you know, and I'm like, yo, you gotta stop, because <laughs> like I can't stop eating it, man. Yeah, yeah. So it's uh, it can be a struggle. Yeah, for sure. Well, and you know, man, you are, uh, you're super super active. So I think if if anyone can afford to have some pizza or ice cream occasionally, it's definitely um, definitely you, but it, it sounds like you concentrate on, and I'm kind of the same way. Some people can't eat the same stuff all the time, but keeping it pretty basic, lean meats, veggies. Um, and it sounds like you don't really, uh, overthink it all that much. So I, I want to pivot before we wrap up here and just ask you if you could just tell us a little bit about what your recovery still looks like today and how do you, how do you maintain your sobriety? How you, how do you continue to grow? Yeah, so I'm fortunate to have you know two guys that I sponsor. I've been sponsoring for a couple of years, which have been honestly like you get to a certain point. You know, I'm coming up on 15 years sober. You know, you get to a certain point, and you know, I've gone through phases where I love meetings and you know I'm all about it, and then I go through phases where I'm just like I've been going to meetings for a long time, and I'm just not that into it, and I'm kind of in that phase right now. However. You know, having these two guys that I work with, I mean, they're just, you know, I love working with these guys, man. And it's obviously, you know, you get through the steps and you realize that it's all about giving it back. And so, uh, you know, I still, I still make it to meetings. Obviously now I'm doing probably more meetings than I, than, than ever yeah, <laughs> with the Zoom meetings. Um, but yeah, staying in contact with those guys. Um, yeah, I'm still, I'm still pretty active in AA and, um, you know, and, and then also just like in my everyday life too, you know, it's, it's easy to be, you know, this awesome AA member, right? But like, how, how good are you in the real world? 
You know, are you are you carrying those principles out into real life? And um, so yeah, I try to you know certainly do the best I can. I still do my readings in the morning. You know, I still I still pray and uh, yeah, I do a lot of the same things I did when I first got sober. Yeah, that's awesome, man. That's awesome. Well, I guess that's uh, I think that's a testament to just what I heard so many you know people that had been around for a long time say in the beginning when I first got sober, it's like, it always comes back to the basics. Yeah. You know, it, it always comes back to the the basic stuff. So before we wrap up, Jay, I want to ask um, if you have one piece of advice uh, that you could share with the sober nation, just in terms of recovery. Yeah, it would be asking for help. 100%, man. You know, so many of us, I mean, struggle with that. I know I have at different times and, um, one of the most probably profound things I could say, you know, is certainly asking for help, but just also being honest about your sobriety. You know, from the beginning, I was always someone who laid it out at the meetings, you know, told people exactly how I was feeling, told my sponsor. I just like never, you know, certainly I've had moments where probably had some little white lies and stuff like that, but I'm just, I'm someone who shoots from the hip. Generally, it's like my personality and I'm someone that just shares what's going on and it's, definitely been one of the things that's kept me around for as long as I've been here is, uh, you know, just being willing to ask for help and just being honest, man, about what's going on. Yeah. I love that. That's, that's great advice. And I think that's kind of touching on needing to have a little humility, I guess. And yeah, uh, for, sure. I know for me, just admitting that I didn't have it all figured out was definitely a big, a big step. And I have to keep, you know, I have to keep saying that because yeah, absolutely, man. Yep. And I don't, don't want my head to get uh, too big. But, it's a lifelong uh, process. Yeah, absolutely, man. Um, so you can connect with Jay and learn more about his workout programs and the functional method at jtmfit.com. Thanks for coming on with me, Jay. Thanks for having me, Jonathan. It's good talk, man. Be sure to check out the show notes for all the info from today's episode. Sober Nation FM is brought to you by Sobriety Engine. Sobriety Engine is a free online community of men and women supporting each other in their recovery. Visit sobrietyengine.com to join today. This show is also brought to you by Recover Health. If you're ready to get fit and start living a healthier lifestyle while supporting your sobriety, you can learn more about having me as your own personal fitness and nutrition coach at rcvrhealth.com. And again, whether you're listening to the show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or watching on YouTube, please share this with your friends, follow, subscribe, and leave us a review. Nation, thanks for tuning in, and I'll see you next time.